Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The book of Psalms, actually a collection of 150 psalms of poetry, prophecy, and hymns, show us many aspects of the Christian walk by way of types and symbols. Aspects of Christ in his suffering, for example, and his death on the cross, his resurrection, ascension, and even enthronement are seen in rich detail in the Psalms. But there's another aspect, perhaps the deepest experience of God that is also revealed yet seldom spoken of from this book. And that is that Christ took God the Father as his very habitation. What does this mean? Well, and more specifically, what does it mean for us? We will fellowship the matter of God's habitation today. Dennis Agashi joins us for another life study from the book of Psalms. Dennis, it seems like at this point now, these Psalms just get richer and richer as we go on, and we really come to a rich portion today, don't we? We sure do. It really is true that it is the Psalms of Ascent. Yeah. <laughs> it's ascending, ascending, and revelation and riches. Dennis, I thought it might be helpful as we um, begin today. We'll bring up this matter of habitation. It actually shows up early on in the book of Psalms, but a couple of things by way of review to, uh, I think, help give a background to our program. First of all, we need to see that the book of Psalms 150 psalms in total has been divided by scholars throughout the uh, ages that have studied this book really into five groups of books called the five books of the psalms. Mm -hmm. We haven't spoken too much about this, but it is helpful because we're actually beginning the fourth book of the psalms today, uh, beginning with Psalm 90. Book one is composed of the first 41 psalms, Mm -hmm. then book two, Psalms 42 through 72. Book 3, Psalm 73 through 89. Book 4, where we are at today, Psalm 90 through 106. And then finally, Book 5, the final Psalms 107 through 150. This portion, Book 4, brings out this matter of God's habitation, Mm -hmm. God's dwelling place in more detail, doesn't it, than uh, the earlier portions. It sure does, Chris. And this is why I'm looking forward to uh, even the fellowship this morning. Dennis, one of the things we'll hear Witness Lee talk about today is this matter of identification Mm. with Christ. Now, this is not a new thought. This is, uh, I think, pretty standard in both theology and most interpretations of the Bible. The realization that we are, as the believers in Christ, we are identified with him in many aspects of his life and work, aren't we? Yes, we are, Chris. It's so clear in the New Testament, and it also shows us in the Old Testament, in fact, the book of Leviticus brings out this first mentioning of identification through the priests laying on of their hands on the burnt offering. And if I could, Chris, there's a marvelous footnote that is in the recovery version on Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4. Just part of the verse says, And he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering. In this footnote, it speaks here, Brother Lee mentions, the laying on of hands signifies not substitution, but identification union. Mm. By laying our hands on Christ as our offering, we are joined to him, and he and we become one. In such a union, all our weaknesses, defects, and faults are taken on by him. 
and all his virtues become ours. So identification is not just a something ritualistic. Identification means we are one with the very one we identify with. We put our hands on Christ. It also means the impartation of life. So identification and impartation. Very good. I'm glad you mentioned this. This is not uh, the ritual laying on of hands that is often uh, thought of when we bring up a term like identification. There is that practice, and we're not criticizing or denigrating that, but what we're really talking about is the identification in our life union, our organic union, which we talk about a lot in this program, with Christ. Absolutely. So we are identified with him. Surely in his death, he died this substitutionary death for us by identification. Uh, We also died, according to Paul in Romans 6, but also his resurrection. We were raised up when he was raised up, right? Very good. But what we want to see today is there's another aspect related to identification that has been, I think, overlooked and missed throughout the ages, but it really comes out in these Psalms today, 90 and 91 particularly, that we're looking at. We're going to see Witness Lee bring it up. Uh, later on in the program, in the context of identifying with Christ as the one who takes God as his habitation. How is identification appropriated this way in our experience? It seems like, Chris, the experience of Christ, identify with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, is a more common experience for the believers. We all realize the Lord's substitutionary death and the Lord's uh, resurrection you know, saving us, justifying us. But to identify with Christ in his taking God as his habitation is a marvelous new divine thought. Okay, our overall topic today is the matter of God's dwelling place, Mm -hmm. God's habitation and our habitation. As I mentioned, this comes up throughout the Psalms in a scattered way. For example, in Psalm 27, verse 4, the psalmist says, One thing have I asked from Jehovah, That do I seek, to dwell in the house of Jehovah all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Jehovah, and to inquire in his temple. Surely clear, direct reference here to God's house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other psalms also bring it up. But by the time we come to Psalm 90, 91, this uh, fourth book of the psalms, we see this as a dominant theme. Let's look at verse 1 in Psalm 90, Dennis. O Lord... You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Okay, I think we've set the stage. Let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll have a chance to have more fellowship. If you just open up to the Psalms and read the first Psalm, you may think, no doubt, this is a book on the law. But then Psalm 2 comes in. This is my son. He turns from the law to Christ. So you could see first book is on Christ. Then the second book, the house comes in. I like to, what? To be in the house of God, to see his beauty. And that is Psalm 27. Then in book three, you could see this choice is the city. The strongest thought is about the city. I just mention this much to you. Okay, book four opens with what? With Psalm 90, right? What Psalm 90 says as the first thing, God who is from eternity to eternity, you are our dwelling place in all generations. 
Don't in place. You read all the books on this earth. You could not find another book besides the Bible that tells you God could be your dwelling place. I wonder whether you had some thought that you are dwelling in Christ. Moses was the one who gave the law. The lawgiver shouted here, Psalm 90, O Lord, you have been our dwelling place. In all generations, before all the mountains were brought forth, before the creation of the earth and the world, you are God from eternity to eternity. To be what? To be our dwelling place. Isn't this a new thought? A new thought. Dennis, we have to take a little time to consider this. He's raised, I think, a very compelling uh, consideration here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we consider God in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. we consider that God is a lot of things to us. But how often do we really have this consideration, that God is my dwelling place? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Chris. I was just considering, as Brother Lee was sharing, that when you think about the concept of God, or when you ask people, we would primarily get a answer in that God is far away to be revered. Mm-hmm. Maybe the more advanced people would say that he was incarnated to be a man, but he's still historical. I mean, there he's just there in Palestine 2,000 years ago. More advanced believers would say that this very God who is incarnated as Christ, as Jesus, now lives in us. And that surely is a great thing to know and appreciate that Christ actually lives in us. But Psalm 90, when you have Moses, who is called a man of God in Psalm 90, his impression and his deep feeling was that God was his dwelling place. That's a deeper experience of God. Really so. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we like to think of our home, the place where we dwell, that's a lot of things to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe our palace, we like to say that, my mm-hmm. home is my castle. Mm-hmm. But it's also the place where we're protected, mm-hmm. where we're provided for, mm-hmm. where we rest, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things. And we tend to think of God in an isolated way, or the Lord right. uh, in an isolated way, as many of these things. He's our protection, mm-hmm. he's our provision, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. supplies us our need. Mm-hmm. But to put the composite there together, Together, as Moses does, mm-hmm. and said, Lord, you, the one who is God from eternity, mm-hmm. you have been our dwelling place mm-hmm. throughout all generations. To really think of God as our home, this right. is a new thought. It absolutely is. I like this word that Brother Lee said, this is a new thought. Chris, this is a divine thought that was inspired by the Spirit and given to Moses here in Psalm 90. Even in the Old Testament, you can just see, it's just like God's desire was that he just wanted man to dwell in him. <laughs> Well, we're going to see this develop, Dennis, in this next segment. Let's read a couple of verses now from the next psalm, Psalm 91, and this is verses 9 through 12. For you have made Jehovah, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. We're seeing a portion here, Dennis, that's uh, actually quoted in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4. And Witness Lee will, I think, develop this uh, matter of God being our habitation in a wonderful way in this coming portion. 
From my youth, I was taught by the Bible teachers with John 15, saying, we have to abide in Christ, that Christ may abide in us. But by that time, I understand the word abide, something like to remain. It's to stay. It's to remain, not to dwell. The word abide really means to dwell, to dwell in Christ, not just to remain in Christ. Think about it. Who is your house? What is your dwelling place? Could you shout, God! The triune God. Christ is my dwelling place. This is a deeper experience of God. Take him as your dwelling place. Moses took Jehovah as his dwelling place. And the one talked about in Psalm 91 also did the same thing. You have made Jehovah your habitation. Do you know who is this you? Who is this you? Christ, how do you know? Because verses 11 and verse 12, these two verses are quoted in Matthew 4, referring to Christ. So you here refers to Christ. Not only Moses took God as his dwelling place, even the Lord Jesus, especially while he was on the earth, he also made God the Father his habitation. To take God as your habitation, dwelling place, this is the highest experience. This is the experience of God to the fullest extent. Dennis, I think a good development here of what we've been talking about. If we're believers, mm-hmm. we have experienced Christ as our Redeemer, our redemption. We are uh, thereby experiencing him day by day as our righteousness. Mm-hmm. He is the one who stands righteously before God mm-hmm. and makes a way, a place for us to stand mm-hmm. according to his righteousness. We have taken him, we experience him as our very life. As mm-hmm. you said, uh, we have live in the realization that mm-hmm. Christ is living in me. Mm-hmm. But we've just heard Witness Lee say, that the deepest experience mm. is to take him as our dwelling place. Mm-hmm. And even we see that this was the pattern that the Lord Jesus established in his own living, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Taking God as his habitation. Absolutely, Chris. This is, again, I like to come back to this matter of a deep thought. This is not a natural thought that we human beings could actually dwell in God. And as Brother Lee referred to, it's not just a temporary place to be, but it's a residence, it's a living, it's a dwelling, it's a house. And so actually, the believers have the privilege and the right to dwell in God. Chris, this is a marvelous thought. And I believe in the life study, Brother Lee brings out this matter in John chapter 15 about abide in me and I in you. Here we see a mutual abode where The very one, this very Christ, abides in us, and also we abide in him. He lives in us, and also we live in him. Yeah, he mentioned that uh, 
I think we're all guilty, perhaps, of this uh, tendency to hear this word abide, abide in the Lord. And we interpret that, just remain with the Lord. Just kind of stay in the Christian life, stay in the Christian walk. Very vague, very general. But the word here is very specific. To abide means to make an abode. Yes. That means to make a home, yes. right? Yes. And uh, to take him as our place of residence mm-hmm. and to allow him mm-hmm. to make us his place of residence. Mm. Now we're really touching the central thought of God in his eternal plan, aren't we? Absolutely. This is really marvelous. And Chris, as you were talking, I just remembered John chapter 1, verse 14, yeah. where the word which was incarnated now tabernacled among us. So the Lord Jesus himself was the very tabernacle of God, containing God, and yet he came to man as the available enterable and contactable God. God's thought is that man would enter into him. So Christ came as the very tabernacle of God. What do we do with the tabernacle? In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, is the place where the priests entered and carry out so many of their functions. And so all the riches, another verse I thought about in Colossians uh, chapter 1, talking about all the fullness was pleased to dwell in Christ. So that means in Christ, in this very tabernacle, you have all the riches of God. And we, as the believers in Christ, can now enter into Christ, who is the tabernacle, and abide there. Wow, what a thought this is. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis, what if we uh, made this our uh, goal in our Christian life, not to be maybe victorious, spiritual, mighty Christians, mighty gospel preachers, etc., etc. What if we made the goal to dwell, uh, to live in the tabernacle that's in our spirit and take up a perpetual residence Mm, in God. That's marvelous. I think this would be something that would satisfy both our longings and also God's. It really is. And Chris, as you were speaking, I thus thought of another verse in Colossians chapter 2, I believe, 6, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so let us walk in him, to walk in him. This is a place of residence in our home. We live, we act, we behave, we have our being. The Lord's intention is that he doesn't want us to do that, our living outside of him. He wants us to live in him, act in him, behave and have our being in him. This is really the highest and fullest experience of God. Well, we're not going to change topics, Dennis. Uh, We're just going to continue on with this one since it represents the deepest experience of the believer uh, of God. We're going to see it develop further in this last segment. Here's Witness Lee once more. Probably no one among us dare to say, every day you dwell in God. What an experience is that? Every day I dwell in God. And this is what Christ did when he was on this earth living his human life. He was there taking God the Father as his habitation. So, We are identified with Christ, not just in his death, not just in his resurrection, not just in his ascension, but also in his taking God as his habitation. We are identified with Christ to such extent. There's only one way that you can identify yourself with Christ in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, That is, to abide in him. And to abide in him, it doesn't mean to remain in him. It means to dwell in him. To take him as your everything. Moses, the lawgiver, 
took God as his dwelling place. Jesus, the giver of grace, lived a life taking God as his habitation. I like you to remember verse 1 of Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Then you also remember 91, verse 9, for you have made Jehovah your habitation. Why is Moses? The other one is Christ. They two are identified. If we are identified with Christ, number one, we will take God as our habitation. Just say what the Lord Jesus did. We are one with him in his crucifixion, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and also in his taking God as the habitation. We live with him. So we would set our love upon God. Not just to love him, but set our love upon him. Dennis, it's true. Uh, I think that most of us live where we live because we love it there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> There's something there that just suits us, matches us, uh, mm. makes us comfortable. We need to have such a love for God as our dwelling place, don't we? It really is, Chris. I appreciate Brother Lee's final word here about setting our love upon him. This is really the case. When we take God as our habitation, as our dwelling place, we just want to be there. And you just have the sensation that in this psalm, behind Moses speaking was God's real desire. Man, don't do anything. Don't try to be something. You just come and live in me. You just take me as your habitation. I will take care of everything, as you had mentioned. You know, in the home, everything's taken care of. And you just have the sense that God just wants to draw man within himself and allow man to live there. This fulfills God's purpose. And this, actually, this deeper experience of God, Chris, really paves the way for Christ to come to possess the earth, that God may recover his title, his ownership, and right over the earth. And this needs the deeper experience of God by taking and experiencing God as our habitation. Yeah, Dennis, we've got maybe a minute. I'd like to develop this thought a little bit because it is a, a deeper thought that comes out in the printed Life City message. For time's sake, we didn't pick it up in Witnessly speaking today, but uh, it's clearly there, this desire mm-hmm. of God in his eternal purpose to repossess the earth. Mm-hmm. This repossession is really carried out one heart at a time, isn't it, in the lives and hearts of his children? Right. To repossess the earth, as you mentioned, Chris, really takes person by person, as each person allows the Lord to become their dwelling place. The Lord gains that part of the earth. The Lord regains that his title, and, and eventually the Lord's purpose is fulfilled on the entire earth. Why? We touch the matter of God's habitation. It is deep and it's high at the same time. It spans the breadth and length of our Christian experience and also touches the very center of God's mm. heart. Well, Dennis, I just feel like re-giving myself to the <laughs> Lord again for his house, for yes. his habitation. Yes, yes. 
Good to have you. Always uh, enjoy our fellowship and hope you can come back soon, Dennis, as we uh, will have, oh, many more opportunities yet before we finish up the book of Psalms. and Maybe you can uh, come back for some of those. Thank you, Chris. We really encourage you to contact us so that you can get these printed life study messages. Matters like this last one that we just spent a few seconds talking about are developed in a marvelous way uh, in the printed messages. And if you'd like to do that, you can contact us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or we like to point out that uh, you can actually read the Life Study of the Book of Psalms online at www.lsm.org. Uh, there you can sample it for yourself. And But there's nothing like having a book in your hand, Dennis. Uh, it's always yes. another experience to sit down with a good book and these are the life study volumes. It's hard to recommend anything that would be more beneficial to uh, right. the believer's pursuit of the Lord and His Word. Again, our toll-free number, one life study That's all the time we have today. For Dennis Agashi, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164. That's 1-800-549-5164.